We'll be spending this period in a process called Koan Salon. And I'll take a moment to just describe what that is. For those of you who were not at the retreat this weekend and those of you who are online, this will be a sitting period. So we'll, I'll just take a moment to describe what Koan Salon is. And the only way to really understand it is to do it. This weekend, we have been in a retreat focused on creativity and inviting the aliveness of creativity in many different forms. And we'll share about that later. One of the forms is deeply embedded in the Zen tradition. And you may have heard something about what koans are, or there's an idea that they're a riddle. But there's no way to solve a koan in the way that we would solve a problem or come up with an answer to something. So koans are really just stories. That's all we're going to be focused on, is simply a story. You could even think of it as a fairy tale and let it affect you in the same way that a fairy tale might. You might picture the characters that are interacting. You might imagine the setting. You might notice that that's happening on its own. You don't really even have to try. Koans are often pointing to aspects of our experience, aspects of this life, aspects of mystery. And they have embedded in them polarities, seeming contradictions. And our thinking mind is not sufficient to resolve these contradictions. So koans end up revealing our feeble attempts to do that. They are also about relationships. So you'll hear that in these koans, relationships of different beings and people. The way to work with a koan is to put yourself in each of the places. Try to imagine what it would be like to be in any of these parts of the story. So what I'll do is read this koan, read the story. Often at the end of a story, a koan, there's a commentary and a verse. So I'll read all of these parts and then 
we'll begin a sitting period where you can just allow whatever emerges from this to emerge. You don't have to understand it. You may like it, you may dislike it, whatever happens. See if you can just notice and allow what comes after hearing this. Muman Khan, case 42, stuck in Samadhi. The case. Once in the ancient days of the world honored one, Manjushri went to the place where Buddhas were assembled and found that all the Buddhas were departing for their original dwelling places. Only a young woman remained, sitting in samadhi, close to Shakyamuni Buddha's throne. Manjushri asked the Buddha, Why can that woman be near the Buddha's throne while I cannot? Why can that woman be near the Buddha's throne while I cannot? The Buddha said, Just awaken her and raise her up out of samadhi and ask her yourself. Manjushri walked around the woman three times, snapped his fingers once, took her up to the Brahmin heaven, and exerted all his supernatural powers, but he could not bring her out of samadhi. The world-honored one said, even a hundred or a thousand Manjushris would not be able to bring her out of samadhi. Down below, past 1,200 million lands as innumerable as the sand of the Ganges is the Bodhisattva Momyo, delusive wisdom. He will be able to arouse her from her samadhi. Instantly, the Bodhisattva Momyo emerged out of the earth and made a bow to the world-honored one, who then gave his command. The Bodhisattva went before the woman and snapped his fingers once. At this, the woman came out of samadhi. And the commentary. Old Shakya plays a country drama on stage, but people of shallow realization cannot appreciate it. Just tell me. Manjushri is the teacher of the seven Buddhas. Why can't he bring the woman out of her samadhi, while Momyo, who is the bodhisattva of delusive wisdom, can? If you can grasp this completely, you will realize that surging delusive consciousness is nothing other than greatest samadhi. The verse. One can awaken her, the other cannot. Both have their own freedom. A god mask here and a devil mask there, even in failure, an elegant performance. So now we'll 
sit for a few minutes and please allow those words, the story, whatever thoughts, emotions, sensations that seem to be evoked. Just allow it to come and go. And if you get lost, please feel free to return to the breath or sound or whatever your anchoring practice might be. Just because so many people were mentioning um, compassion, I wanted to bring that up because I feel like that's a big part of what koan work is and what creative practice is. It's um, an opportunity, and part of this is the sustained attention that we're giving something but to like allow this koan to touch these different aspects of us, because as um, my teachers have pointed out a number of times, these koans aren't about someone else out there, but they're very much about our own selves and our own inner community and the ways that we react and want and have pride and jealousy and get stuck and like getting stuck and hate getting stuck and love samadhi and hate meditation you know all this stuff <laughs> um but it's like if we're with all of those characters and can find compassion for them and understanding and compassion comes through just understanding then that opens up in us and so many people just express that from the sheep to the 16-year-old self to the parts of us that get jealous or confused or have had difficult experiences in the past, who have been one of these characters, who've felt the, the weight of failure and the weight of comparison. And creative practice similarly, I feel, can open up a tenderness towards existence so we're here working with our hands and our eyes and so immersed in this process of creating that even something that is ugly I feel myself loving because I made it and I like witnessed it and I was part of its life that's why I think there are no ugly babies. Like you make a baby and you're like, oh my gosh, it's precious because it's like me. <laughs> I know the, you know, just the, the life energy that went into that. And of course, there's a part of the mind that can, of course, criticize and say, oh, I wish I would have done this better or this different. But there is something I think that comes through through the making that can really just open the heart to a different way of appreciating beauty just through being part of that process. It is uh, beautiful 
to get to just uh, pay attention to these very deeply human experiences and to really see the universality of them, even in these stories that are hundreds of years old, they speak to us. And in this tradition, they are alive because we, we make them alive. We make them alive with our, with our practice and our willingness to try them on and imagine them or express them. And I think the thing that was reflected in our, in our practice here and, and is reflected in the koans is this, the importance of the relationship among the, the practitioners, among the people, among all of us. And that's something that I routinely find in sangha practice and community practice that it is so much more powerful than anything we could ever do all by ourselves. How long would you sit all by yourself? Uh, or when you're here, everyone working together to create the space, everyone doing their part, their unique part to create a container for each other. We can practice so much more deeply altogether than we ever could alone. And the same is true for our creative practice. This was our experience in this retreat that uh, we were able to draw inspiration, I think, from, from others' uh, creations and to often have a kind of acceptance maybe for each other, that we might have a harder time offering to ourselves if we were just on our own. Failure is something that anytime you're in a Zen situation, you will get to <laughs> practice with. <laughs> As you may notice, there are some special ways that we do things here that um, is in many ways kind of impossible to really get, especially not at first. And as you step forward into this particular tradition, then you step forward into opportunities to serve also. And so whoever's ringing the bell, your mistakes will be extremely audible to everyone. <laughs> and, and guess what? Everybody will still love you after that. And, and you may be the one that carries that with you for, for days and days, but everyone else has moved on. The flow just continues. It's all just part of it. And, and we ourselves might find an ability to soften, an ability to, to accept ourselves a little more, having been brave enough to, to put ourselves out there, to have this experience. Oftentimes, only because we were willing to serve and do something for someone else. Or even we showed up here because we were hurting and, and needed help, needed something. That's, that's also why most of us got here. So we work with these polarities. We work in these relationships. We, we grapple with these together. We 
don't know together. Sometimes we're the teacher, sometimes we're the student. And it's all just beautiful. <laughs>